such an honor, and I had to get my, my sweat thing. I was sweating this morning, and I was like, "Woo, Jesus, have your way. <laughs> oh, that's, that's when you got really good kids that'll come, and they'll fix your face after the first service, and, you know, that's, adult kids, are, they're brutally honest, but they'll, you know, they'll help you out in times of trouble. My son's like, are you going to wear your kicks today? And I'm like, sure, I'll wear my kicks. They keep me young, or they're trying to at least. It is such an honor to celebrate Mother's Day with you all. I'm so excited about what God has in store for you this morning. Um, I pray that you are challenged, you are encouraged, and you leave here empowered in your calling as a mother. And even as a father, I told the first service, I said, you know, me and Brian always approached parenthood as a team uh, because you know, we're kind of outnumbered. We have four. And uh, so we always told each other we will not disagree in front of our kids um, because we had to have a united front. We didn't, we weren't 100% successful. We tried. That was the first key. We, we tried. We tried real hard. But uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I want you to know that being a mother is a calling. It's not for the faint of heart. Mothers and fathers carry the role of house nurse, house teacher, house mediator, house custodian, so many others. But you're also the confidant, the grace giver, the disciplinarian, the mind reader, and the ultimate gap filler. I could go on and on and on, but you deserve to be honored and loved today and every single day. And for me, I just want you to know, I think you're awesome. You're awesome. When, uh, when I became a parent, my entire world of understanding, just a new world of an understanding came with it. I mean, this was my child, my children. They were a part of me, and I experienced a greater understanding of the love of God because we are God's children, you and me, and how his heart longs for his children to flourish and prosper. And as a mom, I instantly understood that level of care and love and grace and mercy. It literally becomes rooted in your heart. But even more than understanding I immediately felt the weight of responsibility to raise my children in good soil, protect them from the thorns and weeds of evil, and to see them thrive with fruits of anointing and purpose. Do I got any moms in here saying amen? Amen. So whether you're a mother, a father, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, foster parent, church family, you have been chosen by God to raise up his kingdom from the root up. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell them, we are raising up a mighty forest. Y'all talk to me now. Come on. You see, I love the way Jesus, when he was here on earth, how he taught in parables. 
He told stories. That's what he did because he wanted them to understand him. And so I want to take one of the parables that he taught in Matthew 13. And he shares, it's called the parable of the sower. Moms and dads, you're sowers. You see, every mighty oak tree begins at the sea, the seed. And Jesus uses this process to impart to his followers. So let's begin in verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And whoever has ears, let them hear. Moms, we go through nine months of transformation, physically, emotionally, and sometimes even psychologically, to bring what started as just a tiny seed into this little bundle of you and dad into this world. And we know better than anyone that before that baby takes its first breath, there's already been a lifetime of growing, a lifetime of nurturing and protecting that life God has chosen for you. I remember so vividly when I was pregnant with Micah and Amaya that I had twins. And for, y- for those that don't know, and y'all don't know us, we have four beautiful children. They are 25, 24, twins will be 23 in September. So if you kind of do the math, um, we had four kids in two and a half years. Um, I am she woman, hear me roar. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> But when I was pregnant with the twins, I remember, Lord, whew, y'all think Mike is crazy now. He, would just, uh, he was an active baby, and then my, poor Maya, she just tried to find a place. But, I mean, my stomach looked like I was in the movie the Aliens. It would just go crazy. I was like, oh, Lord, what's coming out of me? I just felt like I was about to pop. But what's going on? This transformation. All your vital organs are literally rearranged to allow room for growth. But as you look back on all the birth experience, when I look back on all mine, those nine months, it was the easy part. And I literally almost died one time, seriously. But the moment you see that face, the moment you hear that cry, you absolutely know that it's just the beginning. You see, those nine months were just a temporary season. The assignment as a mom, it's for a lifetime. It's never over. You will always be someone's mom. So mom and dad, you are raising a mighty forest. Jesus goes on in chapter 13 to explain the parable that he shared to his disciples. And today I believe that we can apply this parable to our role as parents. But even further than that, 
children's workers, public school teachers, small group leaders, foster parents, church leaders, volunteers, your soil makes a difference. Just one moment of sowing in good soil can alter the outcome of a young man or a young woman's life for their entire life. What you sow in is what will be produced. I'm going to say that again. What you sow in is what will be produced. Can I get an amen? Y'all going to have to talk to me this morning. Looking at each four of these scenarios as a parent, it completely calls me to another level of accountability, to my calling as a mom. So let's look at this first scenario in verse 19. Jesus begins to explain what this parable meant when the seeds were scattered along the path and the birds just ate it up. Jesus said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Church, we must be intentional. We will never raise the kingdom of God, a mighty force, without covering our kids in good soil. You see, the soil protects the seed from evil that want to devour you before you even take root. Satan is well aware that once a seed takes root in good soil, it's harder to destroy. Are you hearing me? It's harder to destroy. We must cover our children with interceding prayers. I mean the kind of prayer where there are intentions in your knees from spending time petitioning the Father on behalf of your kids. The kind of prayer that shakes the roof of heaven on their behalf. We can't do this alone. We need Him. We need the Father's hand of protection over them at all times. You see, I had that in my life. I have a praying mama that has sent me prayers every single day last week. She would send me texts while she knew I was working. Said, oh, Tanya, I just feel really good about this. I've been praying for you. I feel like the Father's given you words of encouragement. And you know, I knew she had my back. I even had grandmothers that would pray those prayers for me. I had one, and I don't know what y'all call your grandmothers here, but I called mine Mama. I had a Mama. I had two Mamas. But there was one in particular that every time I went to stay with her and spend the night, which is many times, she would make everybody else, make sure everyone else was taken care of, resting in their beds. We were all going to sleep. And then I'd hear a voice fill the house. And I knew my Mama was praying. And I'm not talking about patty cake prayers. I'm talking about 30, 45 minutes, an hour. She prayed until the Holy Spirit released her. She stayed on her knees and she cried out every single one of my family's names. And she interceded. She covered us with good soil. She covered us with her prayers. You know, even, even at a young age, I knew this woman had roots, deep roots of faith, deep roots of love, and deep roots of hope. I knew she could see things that I couldn't see. I knew, things, I knew she could hear things in the spirit that I couldn't hear. 
She was an armor bearer to so many. Her phone rang daily with people asking for prayer. Unexpected visitors, mostly pastors and evangelists, would show up at her house and say, Mama, I need you to intercede for me. Those are the kind of prayers that cover our children. Those are the kind of prayers that we need. And my question is, who's going to take my grandma's spot? Who's going to take her spot when I kneel down? Am I wearing spots in my knees for my children and my future grandchildren? We have to step in that role. I can tell you, before she passed away, she got afflicted with dementia. And she she probably didn't know any of us. But I can tell you the Holy Spirit still dwelled in her. Nothing could take that away from her. I could go in her room in that hospital bed. And she may not know me, but I could look at her and say, Mama, pray for me. And I would see that little hand go up to heaven. And I would see her speak the most, see and hear her speak the most beautiful words to the Heavenly Father. And she began to intercede for me. And the Holy Spirit would start speaking through her. You see, dementia can't even take the Holy Spirit out of you. It cannot take that away. We've got to cover our children in prayer. Because I guarantee you, the enemy is looking for any moment to steal, to kill, and to destroy the kingdom of God. He's looking. We have to cover them. Look at your neighbor saying, we are raising up a mighty force. Let's look at the second scenario. I'm getting tongue-tied. Verses 20 and 21, Jesus explains, the seed falling on rock ground refers to someone who hears the word And at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes before because of the word, they quickly fall away. There is no room for shallow faith. There is no room for shallow relationships. Mom and dad, what you make a priority will be what your children make a priority. If your priority is to make six figures and kill yourself doing it, that's what your children will prioritize. If your priority is to get the next promotion no matter what the cost, that is what your children will set their goals towards. Believe me, I know I'm being hard, but understand, I understand. I understand that you want more for your kids than you had. I do. I want more for my kids than I ever had. I want all their dreams to come true. I want them to be happy. I would do anything in my power to make it happen. To see them happy. To have the best of friends. To make every team, make every club, make everything. I make everything come, go, go to their favorite school. Their, I would do anything. But your priorities matter. They matter. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there 
your heart will be also. And he skips down to verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. There will come a time in your children's life when they come face to face with trouble. They will come face to face with judgment and attacks and even bullying. Shallow roots of faith will not sustain them. Shallow roots of faith will not sustain them. Proverbs 12.3 says you can't find firm footing in a swamp. But life rooted in God, it will stand firm. Do you believe that? Your relationship with God must be a priority in your life. You must have deep roots of faith to sustain not just you, but your children. What you sow, you will produce. I'm going to say it again. What you sow, you will produce. Amen? Going back to Jesus' explanation of this parable in verse 22. This is the third scenario. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The New Living Translation says it like this. No fruit can be produced because the worries of life crowd the truth of God's word. How do we as parents not worry? I, swim, I, swim, I have to work on it daily. It's a weight that you're not prepared for. The year that Micah moved here to Kentucky, um, his twin sister, Amaya, also moved to Indiana. Now, my other two, Caitlin and Kyla, they moved off as well, but, you know, it was res relatively close. They were about two hours away, so anytime they needed mom and daddy, Hey, we jumped in the car and we went. We could, we could save them. <laughs> we could protect them. We could run to them anytime they needed us. But here are my babies. Micah's moving six hours away. And Amaya's moving ten hours away. And, I mean, there was moments when my thoughts would fail me. And fear would literally overtake me. I couldn't protect them. I couldn't be there to walk them through the decisions I couldn't be there to walk them through any troubles. I'll be honest. When we left Amaya in Indiana, it was one of the hardest moments as a mom. And I didn't hide it either. I was real emotional. Real emotional. <laughs> uh, Amaya would literally cry every day for two weeks when she was there. Every day. At one point, the possibility of her coming home on the table. You see, fear is a stronghold that can and will choke every fruitful root that God has planted. Your roots determine the kind of fruit you will produce. I shared a story on Facebook a few weeks ago, and uh, it's, it's kind of hard to share. It's, it brings up all the stuff, but Twelve years ago, our family experienced a life-altering trauma. Um, the twins, Micah and Amaya, they were 
right at 10 years old. It was one of those Wednesday nights where we had stayed late, worked in for the church, and we were all tired. It was around 11 o'clock. So we're driving in, and we drive into the garage. Me and the girls immediately get out and go straight to our bedrooms. Micah and Brian had stayed and left the garage door open to take the garbage out for the, for the next morning. Well, they couldn't get there because three men in masks and guns, they had guns, ran up into the garage and held them up. Two went to Brian and stuck two guns in his face. And the other one grabbed my 10-year-old son, threw him up against our van, and put a gun to his head. And we were being robbed. Amaya had just walked inside the door, and she was taking off her shoes right there. So she hadn't quite made it to her bedroom. And the gunman noticed her, and he went at her. And he went into our house, and he put the gun to her head and told her not to move. At that point, I heard the loudest scream that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I opened my bedroom door, and I see my 10-year-old little girl running towards me. And behind her is a man in a mask with a gun pointed to her back. And I was at the point where I was just waiting to hear the gunshot go off. When I say fear, fear had overtaken us. You know, what probably lasted 30 seconds, 60 seconds, felt like a lifetime. It took us. It, I'm telling you, it, we were wiped out. Thank the good Lord that nothing worse happened. Physically, we were okay. But fear became a stronghold for our entire family. But God saw us through, right? Amaya, would, uh, we would all deal in our ways. But Amaya, uh, she struggled. She, uh, it was hard to watch. For over almost a year, my 10-year-old daughter went almost completely mute. She wouldn't talk. Every night or every day before the sun would go down, she would will herself to go to sleep because she could not be awake at the dark. And not only that, she had to have her family so close that for six months or even longer, we would have to pull a mattress out of another room to put in the foot of our bed. The three kids would sleep there. Amaya would sleep between us. And we had to have the dog, too. So we were all in a one room with the doors locked, the everything by six, or she couldn't sleep. Or she would have panic attacks. Fear had overtaken her. And can I just tell you, that's the hardest thing to witness because you don't know what to do as a mom. You just start praying, Lord Jesus, help us. Because I didn't know what to do. I had no answers. But God. But God. You see, what happened was, you know, we're worship leaders. 
So what would we do? Every night, Brian, I remember this vividly. Brian would say, let's just sing a worship song. I'm going to sing of your love. I'm going to sing of your grace for me. Over and over again. Over and over again. And we kept singing worship to the Father over and over and over again. And then we started hearing her voice through song. And we started hearing her voice through worship over and over and over again. So you see, when I see Maya up here singing a song and worshiping him and moving off to Indiana seven years later, it's a miracle. It is a miracle. Matthew 15, 13 says, Every tree that wasn't planted by the Father should be pulled up by its roots. Church, our children are facing things that we have never faced at their age. I have never, I can never imagine how I would have survived and what they're going through today. Anxiety. I didn't even know what anxiety was when I was their age. I mean, what do we do? I'm stressed. Man, it's been a stressful day. But this, these are real strongholds that are coming against our children. Anxiety, depression, confusion, hate. There is hate all around them. And they're overwhelming our children. Church, we have to pull those strongholds out by the root. Because as the scripture says, it will choke the life out of them. I've seen Fear choke the life out of my kids. We have to pull it from the root up. We have to be bold enough to say, that is not of God. We've got to pull that out of you. It's time, church. We have to take authority over the thorns. We have to take the authority over the weeds that are choking the life out of our children. Anxiety will not set up residence in my child. Depression will not take their voice. Confusion will not make them question their beliefs. And hate will not kill my family. Can you say that with me? Hate will not kill my family. I declare sound minds over every one of your children right now. Sound minds. We have to take authority over every evil fault and attacks on our children. I want you to take time right now and you start calling out your daughter's name or your son's name right now in authority. God, I speak over Caitlin right now that no anxiety will come over her. She will live her life in freedom. God, I speak over Kyla right now that you will make her path straight. Lord, Micah and Amaya, that you will keep using them, Father. And no evil will come upon them. We have to declare. We have to take authority. We have to be the loudest voice. We have to be the loudest voice. If we let the enemy keep yelling at them and saying, you're no good. The enemy saying, you'll never measure up. The enemy telling you, you're a failure. 
We have to be louder than the enemy. We have to be. We cannot give him authority over our children. Amen? We are raising a mighty fortress. The last verse, verse 23, it says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. They're producing a forest that will multiply 100, 60, even 30 times over. What you sow into your children is what they will produce. We've got to raise our kids in good soil. We must intercede on their behalf. We must cover them in prayer daily. We must be examples, examples of deep-rooted relationships. We must take authority over every stronghold that attempts to choke the life out of them. We're raising the kingdom of God. We are raising a mighty forest. Fifteen years ago, and I'm closing. Fifteen years ago, our family moved to Summerton to serve as worship pastors. And uh, the uh, road that leads from the church to the home we live in, it's a little two-lane country road, lots of trees, lots of forests. There was this one, one area had rolling green hills and not many trees. We came upon this one little hill, and there was one lone tree. And I don't know why that struck me. Something stirred in my spirit, and I've never gotten that image out of my head. And I was, as I was preparing and praying for the word for this church today, the spirit kept bringing me to that lone tree. Mamas, I know sometimes you feel like that only one by yourself and that nobody understands the weight you're carrying and nobody understands what your prayers are for your children, but you're not alone. You see, that tree is different now, 15 years later. You see, over the years, that tree has multiplied. Now that first picture was just an example because I can't find my picture. But this is the actual tree that I saw 15 years ago. The tallest one. It was the only one on that hillside. And now look. It's multiplied. And I was like, how did more trees just raise up? I had to do a little research. You see, trees and plants produce new plants by making seeds. And some seeds disperse by the seeds falling onto the ground and they take root. Some seeds blow through the wind and they plant and make good soil and they root up. And some, they get on the birds or the animals and they carry them off and they fall to the ground and they root up there. Look at this forest. It only used to be one lonely tree. Church, what kind of seeds are you planting? Seeds of faith? Seeds of hope? 
seeds of love, seeds of redemption, seeds of freedom. Freedom point. You see, I see this in my spirit so clearly. God is positioning you in the right place at the right time. The Holy Spirit is stirring and about to blow a mighty wind through, through you where the seeds of freedom is being planted through this church. It's time to reign a mighty fortress. Will you stand with me today? I want to speak to the mothers right now. I want you to know that God chose you for such a time as this. I know the moments when you feel like you failed as a mom. I know. Those moments where you didn't protect them enough. Or you lost your temper when they've pushed you to your very limit. I've had those days. I've had those days. I've been there. But I want to remind you. God chose you to be their mama. We are not perfect, but we are called. We are not perfect, but we are called. So if I could, if you feel comfortable, I would love to have every mom just kind of line up down here in the altar. I want to pray for you. every seed planted take root and produce good fruit God I pray a holy boldness and authority to into a discernment from every attack from the enemy God help us to pull those things at the root at the root God
every woman in here that has their own strongholds right now, those insecurities that you've held on to, those feelings of not worthy, those feelings of not good enough, God, we bind those. I take authority over those evil thoughts right now. should look at me. I have one thing to say to you and it's totally from the Lord. He says, Tanya, when you go in there, you look at them right in the eye and you tell them, you are enough. 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 Don't let the enemy steal from you what he's called you to be. I let fear and worry take hold of me and look what the enemy attacked them with fear they attacked them with fear they attacked them with fear but through worship and giving up to God and walking through with it the Lord delivered not only her but me too yes yes you are enough enough. He called you. And I want to talk to everyone that may not be a mama yet. Those that are maybe struggled with infertility. You know, the doctor told me at 15 I'd never have kids. They told me I might get pregnant, but I'd never be able to carry them because something wasn't right. I remember telling Brian when he asked me to marry him, I was like, you're wanting kids, I can't promise anything. I felt like that part of me wasn't going to work. But yeah, in our week, the first time I got pregnant, the enemy made me think I had a miscarriage. And the enemy was like, I told you. I told you you would be fruitful.
like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The workers went to him and he said, The field where you planted that good seed, it's full of weeds. Where did they come from? And the farmer exclaimed, An enemy has done this. And they said, Well, should we just pull out the weeds? And no, he replied. You see, if you uproot, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Now this is what the Lord spoke over to me for you. He said, there is a harvest coming to Freedom Point. There is a harvest coming to Freedom Point. But when they walk in here, they're going to be wrapped up in weeds. They're going to be wrapped up in strongholds. They're going to be wrapped up in a bunch of stuff. And people will come to you and say, we got to pull that out of them. we got to pull that out of them. But discern, protect the harvest. The Lord kept exclaiming to me, protect the harvest. Do not pull those weeds because you'll pull the harvest. The Lord will, he'll remove the weeds. You protect the harvest. God is calling you to protect the harvest. Yes, Father. But they're coming. They're coming. They are coming. But they might.